and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Tonight we're going to continue looking at the life of David, and we're going to look at the event in his life that I think you'd have to live under a rock in the most remote part of the world to not have heard about this one and that is the battle of David and Goliath. And that takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we'll begin in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together in Shoko, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephes Damon. So the Philistines are the bad guys here. And the Philistines, they, the land of the Philistines was south of Judah. These places that are mentioned in verse 1, the specific cities and this valley of um, Elah, I couldn't find on any of the Bible Atlas maps. They're, they're not able to uh, figure out exactly this exact location. But it's in, I'm assuming, because the land of the Philistines is south of Judah, that it's down towards the lower part. Verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Now, when it says that they pitched, that doesn't mean that while they were waiting and, and having, you know, just kind of dead time, that they're playing baseball. Um, although... Interestingly enough, the reason why baseball spread throughout all of the United States was because of the Civil War, and those guys, when they had nothing to do, that is what they would do. They'd play baseball, and that's how it spread from the north all the way to the south because of prisoners of war. <laughs> At any rate, that's not what they were doing here. When it says they pitched, that means that that's where they pitched their tents, and that's where they set up. And you've got the one army on the one side of the valley, and you've got the other army on the other side of the valley. So you've got Israel on one side, the Philistines on the other. And they've got the battle in array. So there's some fighting that is already going on, but it's not like a real full-out battle. Verse 3. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath of Gath, of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He was a champion of the Philistines, a champion. And by that, what it means is that the original meaning of champion wasn't like he had won the gold medal in all their competitions. The champion was the one who they would put out there to fight for them. 
Many times when armies came together, rather than the whole armies fighting one another, they'd each send their best fighter, their strongest, toughest fighter, and he was their champion. And the one champion of the army of the one side would fight against the champion of the army of the other side. And whoever won, he won it for their entire army. That was the deal. If you sent out a champion, if you agreed to this, if you agreed to have your champion fight their champion, then the result of that one-on-one -on -one fight determined the entire war. That's who Goliath was. It says here in the King's James that his height was six cubits and a span. What exactly is that? Well, this is a very interesting thing, and, and I'm going to get into a couple of points because I spent some real time investigating just how tall Goliath would be. First of all, the King James here is based upon the Masoretic text, the Hebrew Masoretic text. And the Hebrew Masoretic text has this verse in that manner. Okay? It, in the Hebrew Masoretic text, it has the words that would be accurately translated six cubits and a span. Just to let you know, though, the Greek Septuagint of the Old Testament, the oldest existing text found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which predates the, the current copies of the Masoretic text by a thousand years, and the testimony of Josephus, who lived in the first century, all of their writings, instead of having his height being six cubits in a span, have it being four cubits in a span, significantly less. Which one's right? Well, that's a good question. <clears throat> There's good, there is good evidence to support both in terms of textual criticism as well as the evidence of the outside source of Josephus to support the translation of four cubits in a span as opposed to the one of six cubits in a span. But do we know for certain? No. We do not know for certain. So, what does that mean to us? What's a cubit? A cubit was the measurement of a man's elbow to the tip of his finger. And a span was the width of his hand. Now, that's in itself a very inexact measurement. And what do you go with? Do you go with what my arm is, or what Alan's arm is, or you know, what Jerry's arm is? Or do we try to figure out what an arm length was of an average man back at that time? Because we're going to vary by quite a few inches if we go with all these different ones. And there's some people that only dig that deep on the whole matter, and they'll kind of give an estimate of, well, it can be anywhere from here to here. Um, I, I dug a bit deeper. In the New Bible Dictionary, there's a, there is an entry on weights and measurements. And you can read this for yourself if you would like at some point. I've got the, the thing marked here to it. But um, it's got a whole chart here. And it gives you what all these different weights and measurements are. 
But there's also an entry, specifically a couple of paragraphs written on a span, on a cubit in a span. And if you were doing, you know, business, you, you don't want to just go with an inexact measurement. So for a lot of things, they would just say it's a cubit, and one guy's cubit might be what they actually did on that particular job in terms of measuring something out. But if it needed to be more precise, there was a standard Hebrew cubit, a standard length. And they verified the accuracy and repeatability of this by finding buildings that they could find dimensions for where they knew it was built to so many cubits, and then they actually measure it with modern measuring tools and determine how exact this is. So, and you get into this stuff with cubits. I mean, there's also an Egyptian cubit and a royal cubit, which is bigger than the others because it's the king, of course, and he might have been the shortest king in the world, but his cubit had to be bigger. At any rate, the standard Hebrew cubit, and since this was written to Hebrews, I think that that's a safe one to go with. The standard Hebrew cubit was 17 and a half inches. Most of the figures you're going to find for a cubit will quote 18 inches, but the standard Hebrew one was 17 and a half inches. And although most places you'll find a span, if they give you the, the, the inch, that translated converted to inches, they'll say nine inches, it was exactly a half a cubit. So it would be 8.75 inches. So we, I did a little math. Um, Harder for me than you might think. And based on the Masoretic text of six cubits in a span, Goliath would be nine foot, five inches and three quarters high. Okay. If we went with the lexicon, the Dead Sea Scrolls and Josephus texts, then at four cubits in a span, he would be six foot, six inches and three quarters. Quite a bit less, but still a pretty big guy. Right? How, how tall are you, Alan? I'm six, two. six foot two. So he'd be almost five, um, yeah, six foot, he's close to six seven, so he'd be almost five inches taller than Alan. I would not want to fight him. <laughs> I wouldn't want to fight Alan. <laughs> I don't think I have to worry. I don't think he wants to fight me. <laughs> No matter how you cut it, and you may also be curious, what was the average height of, of a regular guy back then? The average height was five foot five to five six. That was average height for Hebrew of that time. David, remember, is just a kid. David's just a kid. So even if this kid is going up against this six foot seven guy, that's still pretty intimidating to most people. Now, one other point here, a lot of people would be quick to jump at the shorter measurement because, boy, over nine foot just seems so, so tall. You know, you never hear about anybody that tall nowadays. And, you know, can you really believe somebody could be that tall? Well, here again from the New Bible Dictionary, published by Tyndale. I'd like to read you this, 
And this is based on, well, we'll start here. His height is given, has six cubits in a span. If the cubit is understood at 52.5 centimeters, which is actually, would be actually taller than what I've told you, um, that this, though, that this, though unusual, is not an impossible phenomena, is confirmed by the discovery in Palestine of human skeletons of similar stature and of roughly the same period. In other words, they have dug up bones from this age that are that big. Skeletons that are the taller, the nine and nearly six foot, not nine and a half inch, nine and a half feet nearly measurements. So certainly could have been, certainly could have been. You know, in reality, the, the real point, though, isn't how big he is, but regardless of what, whether he was the one height or the other, this is the champion that everybody you'll see is afraid of. Back to 1 Samuel 17. Verse 5. And he, Goliath, had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with the coat of mail. That doesn't mean he was a mail carrier. He was a mailman. <laughs> he had a coat of mail. You know, you've, you've seen that in, in these old Robin Hood movies, that kind of chain mesh armor. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. Okay, yeah, I looked that one up too. Okay, that would be about 126 pounds. So his armor was 126 pounds. So he had to be a pretty strong guy, and that probably was a pretty, you know. That, that may give more, more evidence toward the bigger dimension, just to have something that weighed that much for armor. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. That would be about 15 pounds. And one bearing a shield went before him. So this guy, he's got, he's got his sword and somebody carrying a shield right in, going in front of him and his huge spear that has a 15-pound head on it. And this, hundred, this, is, this is the guy. This is the giant that goes out there. This is their champion. And he stood, verse 8, and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Why are you guys out here with the whole army ready to fight? Why do you have the whole army out here? Am not I a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul? Oh, I thought you guys were so important. I thought you were so special. Your servants of Saul, and I'm just a Philistine. Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. You get your best guy, send him out here and fight, have him fight me. Have him fight me. And if we lose, our whole army will be your servants. But if you guys lose, then you'll be our servants. You'll be our slaves. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. 
Give me a man that we may fight together. He said, I defy your armies. Send me a guy that we can fight. When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. You know? Saul and all the army, they're just shaking in their boots. They're just scared. They're just terrified of this guy. He was that over, he was that intimidating. None of them are willing to fight. And you know, you know who should have been the guy that went out there and fought if you want to make size the issue? Saul. Saul. Because you know why? It says that he stood head and shoulders above the rest of Israel. If you go with, somebody figured this one out, that if you went with the, the lower height for Goliath and you figured out what head and shoulders would be above the average guy, they'd be close to the same height. I don't know that that would be the case. I mean, I'm more personally inclined to go with the fact that he'd be the taller one, but whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, nobody in Israel, including Saul, is willing to just do that fight. They'd rather, have, they'd rather fight as an army against everybody than one-on-one -on -one with him. I suppose they figure we can get about 10 guys on him and try to even things out a bit. Now David, verse 12, was the son of that Ethrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three oldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next unto him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. We've met these guys just in the last chapter, haven't we? Mm -hmm. These are the fellows that if you took a look at them, you'd say, well, now there's a guy that ought to be king. And David was the youngest, and the three oldest, eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So the last time we saw David, where was he? He was, huh? He was playing the harp for who? For Saul. Okay. He was in the court of Saul playing the harp because Saul had this evil spirit. And they found David to come and play for him. But now it says he returned from Saul to go back and take care of the sheep. Verse 16, And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Every morning he'd go out and rehearse that little speech. Every evening he went out and rehearsed that little speech for 40 days. 40 days, of course, being that, that signifying a time of trial. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah. What did we figure out recently that was? That was a quarter bushel. An ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp of thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of the thousand. And look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. So he's, you know, Jesse's concerned about his kids here, his boys. So he sends his youngest with some food Send something for the captain so he can be sure to get in there, get to his brothers. And, you know, the food is to give them something to kind of refresh them. But he mainly wants to hear how they're doing. 
He wants to, to hear how they're doing and make sure they're all still alive. Verse 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So again, some fighting's going on. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. So he arrives just as they're getting ready to go out and do some fighting here. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. That means he just gave him his greetings. Didn't mean he did that business with him. But he just, hey, you know, how you doing? I'm, Dad sent me, give you some food, find out how you are. So there he is, he's with his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the army of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. He said the same thing, send me somebody that will fight. I defy the armies of, of Israel. And David hears this. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the men, fled from him and were sore afraid. They ran for their lives. They were just hiding under their beds. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Boy, have you seen this guy? You've seen what, how big he is? But did you also hear what the king's willing to do? There's a great reward for anybody that's willing to fight. The king, he's going to give him all this stuff. He's going to give him a wife. He's going to give him you know, these rewards and so forth. Verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David can't believe his ears. He's saying, what? What's, what are they going to reward the guy that does this with? How dare this guy come up and defy the armies of the living God? I can't believe that anybody, that they, anybody would, would need a reward. This guy's defying the armies of the living God. How dare he? And the people answered him after this manning, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killed him. Yep, that's what's going to happen. This is what the guy who kills him will get. And Eliab, his eldest brother, when he heard when, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left these few sheep in the wilderness? What are you here for? Who's taking care of the sheep? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You notice he didn't get around to saying any of this until David started questioning why everybody was so afraid of this Goliath. When he first came with the food, no, nobody was like, well, who's taking care of the sheep? Nobody said anything to David then. But now when, he, when he's questioning why everybody's afraid of this guy, well, now his older brother feels defensive and he starts to question him. 
And David said, what have I done? Is there a cause? What you, what's your problem with me? What have I done wrong? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. David couldn't believe it. He still couldn't believe it. He had to get somebody else to tell him the same thing, but he still because he still can't believe that Saul is willing to pay somebody to take care of this uncircumcised Philistine. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. Saul hears about it, and he wants to talk to David. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail him because of him. These guys, they, 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 don't need, they can quit peeing themselves here. <laughs> Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I'll take care of him. Nobody else wants to. I'll take care of this guy. Again, he's just a kid. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go fight against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. You're just a wet-behind-the-ears kid. And he's been a, a champion since he was a kid. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear. And he took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. He said, let me tell you why I believe I can do this. One day I was watching the sheep, and a lion came, and he grabbed the sheep. Another day a bear came, grabbed the sheep. And I just grabbed that old lion by the beard, and I killed him. I killed him. And I did the same thing to the bear, and I'll do the same thing to this no-good so-and-so that's defying the armies of the living God. And then David went on to say, because I'm the toughest, meanest. No. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. David knew it was God who was going to deliver him. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on his helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with the coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he said to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. I don't know how to handle these armors and swords and all that stuff. And David put them off of him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. He took what a shepherd had to chase away things that attacked the sheep his staff, and his sling. Now, this wasn't a Dennis the Menace slingshot. This is one of these ones where you swung it around and let it go. And the Philistine, verse 41, came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves, with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. You fill in the blanks. 
And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. I'll feed your bones to the buzzards and to the coyotes. Hmm. Then David, verse 45, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines, not just your sorry butt, but the whole army I'll feed to the buzzards and to the coyotes. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You mess with the wrong people because God's on our side. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. It's not the sword, it's not the spear, it's not the slingshot, it's not a boy going up against a giant. If he did it by his own power, he'd be in sorry shape, but it was with God on his side. Verse 48, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Everybody else was running away from him. David ran toward him. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and with the stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. He killed him with that slingshot, but then he runs and gets the sword. You read the rest of the record and cuts off his head. And then they do. They go after the whole army who didn't lay down their arms like they promised and beats them all because he did it with God. He did it with the power of God, and that's why he prevailed. And that's our God who will fight for us. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.